Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. This is going to be fun. Christina Farr is a recurring guest. This is going to be her fourth time on Explore the Space. She has rapidly over the course of the last couple of years risen to the the highest peak of technology and health reporting. She works for CNBC and just she is she is breaking news. She is scooping news. It is it's a blast to follow her on social media and it is always wonderful to have her on Explore the Space. Before we get started, I just want to invite everyone please take a look at the website www.explorethespaceshow.com. The whole archive of the podcast is there. Tons of great content going all the way back, including the three previous times that Christine has been on Explore the Space, each of which are amazing. And the, the good part is, too, is that the content is evergreen. We recently put up our 100th episode, which I'm very, very excited about. So we've crossed the century threshold, and we'll keep bringing you lots more good content as we go forward. I'm very active on Twitter. You can find me at ETS Show. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. I love interacting with people who are enjoying the show or getting ideas for content or feedback on how we're doing. And please do, from whatever platform you like to download podcasts, please make sure you subscribe to Explore the Space, and please leave us a rating and a review. It's a great way to drive more traffic to us and help people find the show, and really appreciate all the people that have gone forward and and done that and subscribed and left us a rating and a review. I really appreciate the support. And speaking of support, Christina Farr has been a loyal, loyal guest. She has been on the show. This is her fourth time, and I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. She really is a superb reporter. She just does incredible work. She writes in a really understandable fashion. She writes with a high degree of integrity. She presents things in a manner for people who are on the side of, I need to access healthcare. I need to understand healthcare better. She writes to that audience. And I think that she delivers the goods on a regular basis. Her Twitter feed is is fantastic. There's so much for us to talk about. Christina, welcome back to Explore the Space. And there is a lot happening in the world of technology. I was thinking about this this morning. We don't have four hours. We're not doing, you know, a Netflix binge watch series. We've got a little bit of time and we're not going to boil the ocean. Although I think that there's an ocean's worth of material to talk about. I would suggest, though, that one of the places, at least for me, as someone who follows you on social media and reads the things that you put out there, I always like to see what gets traffic. So when you put something up on Twitter, I like to just kind of see, oh, well, what kind of response is this getting with, you know, retweets and likes and threads of comments and these sorts of things. Whenever you write about one company and one piece of technology that comes from that company, I would imagine your phone like rattles and vibrates because of all of the Twitter pings that it probably gets. Whenever you start talking about Apple and you start talking about Apple's wearable technology, things seem to move. Has that been your experience? That has been to some extent. I, I think Apple is definitely an interesting company and, and people are following it. It's also, you know, of the major technology companies, it's probably been the most vocal in saying, yes, we actually want to do healthcare. Um, some of the other ones, um, like Apple and, and Facebook and um, to some extent, Microsoft and Alphabet have been a little bit more quiet about their ambitions. And I think that might be because they haven't quite decided on that strategy yet. 
Um, so Apple is, is, I would say, ahead of the pack right now and, and certainly does drum up uh, big interest, um, both in kind of the health and the tech world. So give us a sense, recognizing that this is the largest company doing this work. How ambitious are they? How, how much does Apple want this? How hard are they, would you say they're willing to push? Are we, are they, are they, at, are they hitting their stride now? Are they at their peak or are they really just paddling out? What's your gestalt of, of where they are with, with, with health and technology in the Apple universe? Well, um, interesting question. I mean, I think for them, the big question has been, do they want to stay kind of more firmly in the wellness arena or do they want to be more of a medical company. Um, and I think you've seen them sort of towing the line a little bit between those two worlds. Um, a good example of that would be electrocardiogram, um, which was this basically a sensor um, and an app to support it that, that could potentially uh, pre-screen or screen for a, a type of arrhythmia uh, called atrial fibrillation. And I think with that, you know, Apple kind of remains sort of really in the middle. Um, it wasn't going to diagnose AFib. It wasn't going to replace a doctor, and the company made that very clear. Uh, but it did kind of say, you know, we want to we want to be at the top of the funnel and potentially catching cases that would would not have been ever diagnosed, um, so that those folks can go and seek the medical care that they need. That's an interesting place to sit. But I do think it's caused some in the medical community to be wary that um, you'll end up just with an influx of generally healthy people at the doctor's office. You don't need to be there. And they haven't quite addressed that, I don't think. Do you see Apple sitting with what they have for a while? Or do you see them really trying to push out in a lot of different directions into the healthcare environment, doing lots and lots of different things? If you had to guess, right, I think in one of our previous episodes, I think one of the things that I like to describe the work that you do is you're able to go up really high. You get to, you know, we're all in the wine country here. You get to go up in the wine country, hot air balloon ride and go super high up and take a look around. When you look at the fields and you look at the the space that's out there and the places where technology and healthcare get to intersect, is Apple going to really try to get into all of those things or are they going to pick and choose or are they going to stay with what they've got? Yeah, I guess at this point we should we could talk about some of the things that they're doing now and then where I suspect they're going or where my reporting suggests that they're going. So I think a lot of people don't realize that they have some health a health clinic project um, for their own employees called AC Wellness. So that sort of competes in a way with with things like ABC, which is now called Haven, uh, the Amazon Virtual Safety Mortgage Group. So Apple has a version of that, um, and I think that that could be interesting for them. Because having clinics and actually delivering care and then building on the technology around that, um, I wonder if that's a product that eventually they can scale out. So that's one piece of it. And then and then you have the Apple Watch and all the hardware type efforts. And then also the Apple Health Records uh, product, which is a way to aggregate medical information on your phone. Um, but I think with health records, it's obvious eventually they'll increase things like claims information, which they don't currently have, physician notes. There'll just be more information um, that you can access than you, than you currently do. With hardware, I think that they will move into some areas that are still very much an R&D for everyone, and those are, those are to non-invasively measure and will continuously measure blood glucose and blood pressure. And once those two, either of those two things happen, um, it would be an absolute holy grail in the biomedical world. Every, every company is trying to crack both of those opportunities, and it, it opens up a much bigger market than they currently have. 
And then with AC Wellness, like I mentioned, um, I could definitely see them getting into building technology for uh, clinics and, and care providers. So when you talk about things being a holy grail for them to crack, you and I have had some conversations about this on social media a little bit, and there have been people who've commented to you that I've kind of, you know, in my own way and on Twitter, right? We, we're all diplomatic and it's fun, but I push back. Do you feel like, and you're not an Apple spokesperson, you don't work for them, but do you feel like when they look at this as a holy grail, are they looking at this as a holy grail where the patient gets to be at the center and this is going to improve outcomes and it's going to be studied in a, in a rational fashion using randomized prospective data? Or is it the holy grail because they are going to be able to capitalize and it's going to be something where the margin is at the center because that is also a tension, right? That is a place where, and I think you mentioned earlier that physicians have pause around this and people in healthcare sometimes have pause around this. I would say that's the seed kernel of where that pause comes from. Are they still working to reconcile that? Or would you say, I'll just share with you, my fear is we are in the latter that they are looking at this as purely as a business opportunity and the patient won't be at the center and that this is unique because when you're dealing with medicine, there's potential for tremendous benefit and there's also the potential for harm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think it, it's got to be a mix of both of those things. Um, you know, it's a, Apple is a, is a giant corporation and they will look to make money from some of the things that they're doing. It's not going sure. to be philanthropic, so there has to be some kind of business there. And I think you're starting to see that more and more with things like the work that they're doing with insurance companies, like Aetna as an early example. Uh, that's a way for them to sell more devices. They want iOS to be the platform of choice for healthcare. Okay. Um, that's pretty clear to me, and that's, I mean, you can make money um, doing sure. that for sure. sure. But you also asked about the sort of patient-centered approach, and I, I do want to commend them from the beginning, they have come out and said, you know, we think that patients should have the right to access and own their health information. Yes. Um, that's You've written some very <laughs> provocative things about that, and I and I applaud that because you're right, and I, I totally endorse what you just said. That's correct. Not everyone agrees with that, and um, there are certainly companies out there that don't that don't take that approach because uh-huh. it, it isn't, you know, one that is in there sort of it's not going to make the most money to do that. Um, no. But I think, you know, it's strong for Apple to come out swinging like that. And it sends a, it sends a message. It does send a good message. I agree with you. One of the other things that another scoop that you had, and I want to say it was maybe six months ago, and it's again in this Apple universe is Apple's begun hiring physicians but do we know why they're hiring them? Are they continuing to hire them? When I read that, I thought that that's also very interesting because imagine the cachet for recruiting. Hey, Dr. X, do you want to come work for Apple? What's happening with this idea of Apple as a physician recruiting pipeline? Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty fascinating. I, I, when I was researching the story, I put together a list of, of doctors that I knew either through my, my sources or through LinkedIn um, or, and other publicly available databases. Um, just all the doctors that had joined Apple in the past, say, 10 years. And there are dozens, I found dozens. I think my list, my final list is about uh, 40. And that was just the ones that I either heard about or, or seen uh, promote what they were doing on, on LinkedIn. Apple is a very secretive company, so there will certainly be many more physicians who work there that, that I don't know about and that just haven't uh, shared that they, that they job. So I expect that there's even more than that, which is just an astonishing amount. And to me, I think, suggests a number of things. Um, clearly, they're very serious about healthcare. 
Um, I think physicians can also be quite conservative in their thinking and, and critical thinkers for sure. So for us, I think it's probably a way to address those criticisms by having people on that team that can figure out how do we message to physicians and, and bring them into the fold. You know, I think it's probably both of those things and it will help them with all the future products that they want to develop that may be more kind of um, in a medical type space and, and less in wellness. That's interesting. What I'm hearing you say with this idea of Apple as physician recruiter is bringing the physician in as that counter voice to say, perhaps, wait a minute, we're getting way far afield here. We need to rein this in or we need to make sure we're focusing on how this is going to affect patient care at a population level. Is that something that you, has that been your sort of impression or have have, have they spoken frankly about that? Well, um, they haven't really spoken frankly about it because they tend not to speak publicly or frankly about it very much at all. Um, right. But, you know, I have seen, I've seen it in the culture just kind of covering them really closely how yeah. the physician influence is manifesting. Uh-huh. Um, they will regularly bring doctors down to Cupertino to run by ideas um, and get their feedback on things. They put out a physician-facing website when they announced the electrocardiogram that clearly have been vetted by doctors, and they often partner with medical associations. Um, so I think you're seeing medicine now, like, in the DNA of this company, um, and it's, it's much more influential there than um, any other tech company by far. What they're doing to me sounds like foundation work. This sounds like the stuff that you build off of. This does not sound like the end of something. This sounds like the beginning of something. And I think it's exciting. I mean, they've clearly shown a proclivity for innovation. They've shown a tremendous amount of creativity. And obviously, their foothold in society is unquestioned. Uh, it's just it's that it's that feeling of hopefully this is going to be done in the right way, marketed in the right way, and executed in a cost-effective manner that affects the most people in a positive way. Absolutely. And I think the other point to make about Apple is unlike many um, tech companies that doesn't have a business model where it sells people's data, you know, they make money through hardware sales. Um, so I think that gives them even more attention and probably some trust. That's worth restating. Let's expand on that. That's a really yeah. important point, and I actually hadn't thought of that. So take us through what you just said again. Apple's margin, Apple generates revenue through the sales of hardware, iPads, iPhones, laptops, the Apple Store. They don't And use... then, of course, all the services that you know, feed them. Feed that's them right. That's you... right. So you expand more on the part that you said about what they do with data, because that is one of the things people are concerned and rightly so about the data that they're submitting. What would potentially happen if I was to, if Apple was to be tracking my, my heart rate and my vital signs and perhaps my blood glucose, that's going to go in the vault. That's going to go in a lockbox. It's not for sale. Is that the, is that the idea? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think um, Apple came out, early in being a privacy-centric um, company yeah. before even privacy was a big scandal. And, you know, you could say that that was cynical because they had a business model that allowed them to do that, which is, you know, reliant on hardware sales and not, and not you know, user data. Um, but I think that it's, you know, been something that will ultimately help them and serve them really well in it as they get more into healthcare. Because this is, this is certainly an industry where, there's just a lot of fear about, you know, healthcare data being used for ill. 
Um, and so a company like Google or a company like Facebook that, that clearly, you know, you are the product, the product is free, but then your data is, is having monetized. Um, to some extent, of course, it's, it's far more nuanced than that. But I think that degrades our uh, user trust to some extent. And, and when you start thinking about healthcare, people immediately have paranoia about what can be done, you know, with their, with their data. Could it be used against them? I think that you just nailed the second major issue, right? Is the patient at the center? And then the second one, and I think that there's been really, really good conversation around this without specific resolution is what happens to that data. And do people understand what they are actually releasing and what might actually happen to it? And I think it's great that you call that out. When you ask those questions, when you speak with sources or when you, when the, when you have the opportunity to actually interact with people who represent these companies, do they speak to that frankly? Do they, do they address that issue head on or do they maybe, do they try to avoid it? Do they kind of do the Olay, dodge the bull and wave the red cape move on them? Well, I think you do see some acknowledgement. Um, you know, companies like Google, they, they will admit that AI, you know, big data, um, that is the brand and butter. That's how they kind of brand themselves in the market. Um, so, you, you know, so they do certainly talk about that, and I think that's a good thing. But you don't see quite as much. I've never had a frank conversation with someone who works at Facebook, for instance, about, you know, whether they're, the way that they manage people's information and data, um, whether or not that would be, would make sense for them to be in healthcare. And, and instead, I, one of my big stories from last year was to look at how Facebook has been talking to chief medical information officers at large hospitals about um, aggregating their data on like what they call social determinants um, and how people exist in, in community and use social media with the hospital information about, you know, our, our sort of medical history. And they wanted to aggregate all of that. And, of course, when I reported it, it was mass freak out. Um, and I don't think Facebook was well aware that that would happen. I think it seems surprising to them, if anything, that, that people would have this critical lens on them kind of taking steps in, in healthcare space. When we think about where the healthcare space sits, when we think about the stuff that you like to get scoops on, the stuff that you get scoops on, Apple gets a lot of traffic. These sorts of things, this sort of Apple-centric stuff gets a lot of traffic. Data gets a lot of traffic. When you sit down to write stories, if you are if you were to create a hierarchy in your mind of, okay, it's Monday, and over the course of this week, if I get to break five stories, these are the things that are going to really, really be like throwing a you know, big boulder in that still pond. What are those? Walk us through the things for you where when when you get that inkling or when somebody texts you and says, hey, I need to speak with you, that you think, okay, this is going to be, this is proper Christina Farr scoop worthy. Hmm. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I think to some extent, I, I do need to be looking at traffic and thinking about what people care about. You know, it's important that we write for our readers and the, the things that we write about meet with them. And of course, our readers care about the giant tech companies. These um, are the largest company in the world, and I personally am fascinated, and I think a lot of people are, by what they will do in healthcare, which is just a you know multi-trillion-dollar sector that um, I think comes with a lot of problems um, and inefficiencies where technology could have an impact. So I think people care about that and I want to stay on top of it. But then I also, I mean, I'll put on things just because I care about them, um, you know, things that I like doing investigations from time to time um, if, if it's warranted. Um, you know, this week I, I did a couple of stories about 
things like that. Jewel, a company called Jewel, um, which makes, um, you know, has, I think a lot of people think, um, has spurred the, the team vaping epidemic. And we wrote about this week on, on their plan to get into the self-insured employer space by pitching it as a smoking cessation tool. So that was just one story that we looked at. Another was on ethics systems and, um, and how they've shut off access to their app store for uh, health developers. These are stories that may not have the same type of mainstream appeal as they, you know, big scoop on, on Apple or Amazon, but I, I try to also write for a healthcare-centric or health IT audience as well. I think you do a nice job of that, and I like that you keep it mixed up. I like that you keep it varied. I think it's going to become... I think it's going to be a challenge for you. I think that one of the things about Apple and Amazon, and now we've got Haven, these, these, these are seductive things to follow. You can kind of go down a rabbit hole with them where there's just the content never ends. The stories never end. And I think that it's really great that you're able to kind of get out of that silo and make sure that we're paying attention to other things, other entities, because it is fast moving. And by no means do Apple and Amazon and anyone else have anything close, anything close to a monopoly on this. Is that your sense as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, it's sexy to write about things like Haven um, because we like the idea of, of the giant employers taking on the healthcare system. We have to bear in mind that, you know, none of these employer health consortiums have ever really worked. Um, There's a lot of reasons why many of them have failed. And so I don't want to just be spending all of my time on on what's new and and interesting and exciting, but Uh may not pan out. Um, And that's very possible. Um, We also want to be covering some of the companies that are already established in the healthcare space and I think companies like Walmart are really interesting right now, and I, I'm, I'm keeping close tabs on them um, because I think they're going to have to respond to the Amazon threat. And the same thing with um, you know, companies like CBS and, and Walgreens. Um, they're partnering with tech. They're thinking differently you know, for the first time in a long time about, about how patients or consumers um, think and act and what they want. They're thinking about digital. And so I think those, those stories are going to be good ones to, to get to. What other mediums do you like to explore in the digital health space? Is there a book in the future? Are there movies in the future? How else are we going to flip the rocks on this? Because, right, we are, we've talked about this, like we're at the beginning of this work. Where are the other explorations going to come from? What are the other explorations that you're going to do if you were to try to foresee the future? Interesting question. I mean, I think there's going to be a big, a big uh, HBO show that comes out soon about Theranos, um, which oh, will probably be sadly yes. people's first introduction to. I think you know the, the space of health technology. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not really even digital health. I don't even know what you would describe Theranos as, other than a complete kind of disaster. Dumpster um, fire. Yeah. But it, <laughs> dumpster fire. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think, you know, we get to see some content in the future that, that shows kind of different sides of this space. Um, I've definitely thought about, you know, the book in my future, um, but I don't think this story has played out enough yet. And I think we're ready to have, you know, the story be told about the, the evolution of this, of this particular market. Um, I think there's going to be some big shifts, shifts that happen happen still that haven't happened yet. Um, and I want to be kind of on, on the front lines of that and, um, 
you know, I think it's five years we'll be having a very different conversation. I think so too. And one of the things that I'm going to just keep in my back pocket, hopefully our next conversation, episode five with, with, uh, Christina Farr isn't in five years, but I'm going to save the Haven mm-hmm. one, right? You just broke that story yesterday. No one knows what that thing is supposed to be. It's super sexy. It's got all the right names. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to see what Atul Gawande is going to do. And we all have really high hopes. He's a person of extraordinary talent and vision, but none of us know what's happening there. And, you know, I don't want to spend valuable time talking with you speculating. What's the near term stuff and where one of the things that you're also good at identifying and I think that you are very candid about is where do people start to push back? So we've talked about all of these things. We've talked a little bit about, you know, the devices and and where people push back. What other pushback to, comes out of this? Is it in Silicon Valley? Is it outside? Is it is it from physicians or nurses? Is it from healthcare administrators? Is it from public advocacy groups? Is there any pushback or is this really a freight train now? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think I, I personally try to think a lot about the, the hype cycle. The and, hype uh, cycle, where yeah. Where yeah. kind of health tech is on that. And I think, you know, there, there was a sort of heavy early days, um, you know, rock health was um, sort of the pinnacle of a lot of this. This is rock health is the uh, San Francisco-based, um, it, was, it used to be an accelerator for some of the startups that, that came up. Um, and I think there was a lot of excitement about it and, and just a ton of hype. Um, and now I think we're more in a, a skeptical phase where, you know, there's, I just see so much criticism and a lack of evidence to support claims, a lack of uh, peer-reviewed uh, research. A, a lot of physicians are wondering how they're supposed to use a lot of the data that's coming out of the new wearable devices. Um, is it even relevant to them? They don't know how to manage it. Um, you, you also see criticisms regularly about you know, some of the big tech companies that they don't know what they're doing and, and don't have any real knowledge of how complicated healthcare really is. So that's that's where I think we're at now, and probably where we'll end up is is somewhere kind of in the middle, where we say, well, there are some things that you know clearly are not going to work, or that are overhyped, or you know making claims they shouldn't. Um, and then there are some things that I think we should embrace because they will have an impact on on patients and, and physicians in a good way, um, and that there is an evidence basis behind it. So I, you know, I'm hoping that we kind of get that soon, um, where we can where we're willing to say this this is good, this is a good thing, and, and maybe this isn't. Um, and there are better ways, I think, of distinguishing between the two. So we know that anecdotal evidence is the weakest form of evidence, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You tried out. And I love this piece. You tried out one of those new ketone monitors that looks like a, it looks like a kazoo and you, you blow in mm-hmm. it. I will admit, I know very little about this. Um, I like, mo- like many physicians, my education around nutrition and diet could have, could have been a little bit more robust when I was a medical student. And I think all of us are trying very hard to figure out what are we supposed to be eating? We're all very hungry. The food is all very delicious. If you go down to the, to the, to the ferry building in San Francisco, to the farmer's market, everything is wonderful and we want to eat all of it, but we really have no idea what's good and what's bad. You put yourself on the front line. You got the keto kazoo. What was that experience like? Yeah. Um, so I like to do a little bit of uh, biohacking. Um, <laughs> you you know, do. I like, I like to be a human guinea pig. You do. You get um, out there. I love it. Yeah. It's great. You need a YouTube well, channel. Well, you need I a YouTube channel for sure. Yeah, I, I probably should at some point. Um, <laughs> but I feel I feel a little bit weird about just 
kind of writing about things about trying them myself. Yeah. So I, I like to do that, and I'm always looking for new things to test out if, if anyone has ideas. Yeah. Um, but the keto, the keto thing I did because it's such a hot trend, and yeah. there's so much money going into these companies. People think that like this is the next um, diet, and that it can cure type two diabetes and all sorts of other things. And so I've, I've heard that this is a difficult diet to keep up with because you, you're essentially cutting down carbs, um, even to the point of restricting fruit, which to me is just crazy, um, and a lot of vegetables. And then you're eating kind of tons of, of fat and a little bit of protein. And so I thought that I would give this a, a go myself. Um, and it was really hard. Like, I, I felt terrible for a couple of weeks. And then, <laughs> you know, I felt good by the third week, but I was just eating so much cheese <laughs> and I just was wondering like if I you know had I been sort of a little bit older and, and had more health issues like I don't know that that would have been necessarily a good thing yeah. um, so I kind, of, I kind of came out with a little bit of a, a mixed experience I mean it, it's probably a good thing if you you know I don't know I don't want to advocate for this but um, a lot of people say that they lose weight and they gain a lot of energy and I did feel pretty good um, by that third week um, but then you know you want to be cautious Right. And that's see, three weeks of your I mean, life where you felt weird. Yeah, you feel weird. Um, you know, I, I would I would definitely suggest if anyone's thinking of trying that you talk to your doctor first. I yes. wouldn't just go do um extreme diet. Um and I did actually chat with a few physicians before I before I started. Um so you know, it, or you could try out something like slightly go slightly lower carb. Um and I'm sure that would be fine as long as you're not, you know, supplementing it with something very unhealthy. But yeah, that that was an interesting one. Um, I also had really bad breath, um, so <laughs> probably TMI, but yeah. <laughs> no. So when I was a medical student, Atkins was very popular and Atkins diet was very, very similar. It was basically exclusion of carbohydrates, massive ingestion of, uh, you know, meat and fats and things of that nature. And look, when you go into ketosis, you smell terrible. Uh, when, you know, it's, it's a very distinctive smell. It's that acetone smell and it's, and you're, you know, it, it gives a really profound halitosis. So definitely caveat emptor. If you are, you know, going to be, if you're a close talker, I would say keto is probably not for you. Yeah, you should probably warn your significant other. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I like this idea of biohacking as sort of reportage. Did you come to that on your own? Did you say that I, there's all these amazing things out there? They're all cool. They're all in great packaging and they all do interesting things. I'm going to write about them. Uh, is this something that you want to keep doing? I, I think it's fascinating. The articles are always great. The keto one really was excellent. What What's the evolution of that going to look like? I, I do want to keep doing it. I mean, I think it's more fun to read than, you know, some random health company is partnering with some other random health company. And I could do that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. all day, yeah, um, yeah. but it's just boring. No one cares. And so I think it's fun to like, it's fun to do stuff like this. And, you know, like I can try out different wearables and different kind of trends that we're seeing in, in the health space. And I, I think it's really interesting to be, you know, out here in Silicon Valley where a lot of people work in tech and a lot of people want to experiment with their health. And some people think they should live forever. Um, you know, that genuinely is a thing out here. And I think that's kind of like this fascinating subculture um, that I want to explore. And, you know, I wouldn't go out there and say that this is going to be good for our health necessarily. Um, I think a lot of physicians would say that, you know, more health data isn't necessarily a good thing. And that's, that's there's a lot of truth to that. 
Um, but I do think it is fun to report more on some of the, the cultural trends that you see around health tech, um, as well as the, the businesses forming around them. You have two really nice corners that you stand on. The one of them, right, is the good scoop, you know, breaking news dropping piece around digital health and technology and, you know, interacting with Apple and Haven and Amazon, et cetera. And then it's the second one of getting into these, you know, hype driven things, the things that are the newest fad that they come and go, but, but illustrating them for the general population, you know, you're an army of one and you put yourself out there. And I think it's really fascinating. So as we move kind of towards the end of, of round four with Christina Farr, what, what's on the horizon for you on those two fronts, right? There's the reporting that you're doing around this rapidly changing environment. And then there's these things that you go and test out and you're, you know, your, your consumer reports for the people by the people. Yeah, great question. I mean, I actually don't have any good ideas right now for things to test out. So I could, I could use everyone's Ooh, help okay. um, with suggestions. So yeah, please, uh, please reach out to me on Twitter. And A call to action for sure. There. Yeah. yeah, call to action. Give me some ideas. Um, and on the reporting front, um, you know, there's a lot of areas that I'm interested in. I think, you know, the focus for me at the moment is probably more Amazon than anything else um, because, I, I, you know, they bought this company, Hillpack, last year. And we haven't seen a ton come out of it. Um, and I, I would very much like to see and uh, report on the front lines of what they plan to do in the pharmacy space. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot wrong with the drug supply chain. And as I've been learning more about it, it just, you know, every layer that you peel back, there's some new thing that just makes you just absolutely question, you know, why do we do it this way? Um, and I, I am very interested to see what happens when, it, when a company that has always said that they put the consumer first approaches a space in which, you know, the consumer has never really had any kind of a say and there is very little transparency. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting and I, I, I could see myself spending a lot of time there. That sounds like a great place for you to be spending your time and we will definitely sound the call to action to get you more things to test out for us. I think that the YouTube channel would be great because I think that, you know, the more media that we have and actually seeing how do you put these things on, what do they look like when they alarm, what does the, what's the right technique to use them so at least people know they're doing them correctly. I think that there's value there as well. You're easy to find on social media. You're easy to find on the internet. How do people come and find the work that you're doing? How do they come and find these fun products that you're testing out? How do they find the scoops when the when the breaking news hits? Yeah, um, great question. So I would say um, follow me on Twitter is, is uh, or LinkedIn. Um, I'm Christina Farr and uh, Chrissy Farr on uh, on Twitter. So come find me there, and I've open messages. So. Feel free to reach out um, anytime. And then I also share my email, um, which is a little bit of a risky decision, but I, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have a way for people to find me. And uh, beyond that, I mean, I think you can follow us at, at cnbc.com and, and, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll be on our TV as well, um, our cable network. Um, so, it's, you know, it's a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, we like being a multimedia I would suggest that you're like, you're as close to a mandatory Twitter follow as there is for this, for this work. Um, there's breaking news probably twice a week, at least, if not more than that. Uh, and the other thing that's fun is, you know, if, if people want to ping you with, with a comment or a thought, 
there's other people that are following that will jump in and the comments and the thoughts are actually really interesting and constructive and really intelligent people start to engage. And I've actually connected with some really fun and unique people through those, you know, webs that come up after you break some news and you chime in too, which I think is very commendable. You'll stand behind your work. You'll argue, you'll argue a point. And I think that that's great. And it, it just allows for a really robust marketplace of ideas. And speaking of that, you're, you're always willing to come back and share with us. This is round four. I'm really grateful to you. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk about the world that's changing right in front of us and the work that you're doing to help make it more transparent for everyone. Well, thanks for having me back. And, um, yeah, I want to be super accessible. Um, so please, uh, please get in touch. I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on the space. And, um, thanks again for having me on. This is always so much fun and I look forward to it. We'll, we'll see you for round five, hopefully sometime in 2019. Yes, absolutely. I'm in. Thanks so much. Thanks, Chrissy. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.